this uh, song that they're playing through can be our prayer today. I will say, yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. That is his desire for every single one of us. Have you ever wondered what God's plan and purpose was for you? It was for you to say yes to him. If you did nothing else in this world, but you said yes to him, it would change your life forever. It would change your life forever. You know, as a pastor, as a, as a leader of a church, one of the things that you look forward to every year is Easter Sunday. Uh, we as a family, as a Parsonage family, uh, it's one of those times where families get together, they come together and they celebrate. We have uh, an incredible time together. And so as a Parsonage family, who is from a Parsonage family, uh, it is hard at times, Easter as well. Because you have this great climax of Easter Sunday and it's all the victory and all the celebration that Easter is. And then as a, as a family, we go home and we're not with our family. And uh, so we decided, thanks to my wife, she is so good at this. She said, we're getting out of here. <laughs> we're going away and we're going to go spend 24 hours, just the six of us. And we're going to go have fun and it's going to be great. And it was. And so uh, many of you probably didn't even know we left, but we left for about 24 hours, just had a great time. Nobody cut their ear off axe throwing, and that was so much fun. We had a great time, didn't we, boys? Okay. <laughs> we had a great time. <laughs> and uh, so, so we come back into the norm of the week. We come into, and I, and I think, and where I'm going with this is you plan and you plan and you prepare, but then it's just as important that we plan for this Sunday because it's still Resurrection Sunday. The cross is still empty. The tomb is still empty. You cannot go put flowers at Jesus' grave. He's not there. That's good news. And so as you plan and you prepare and you, you think about what you can follow up Easter with. And so I had this great plan, didn't I, Pastor Greg? See? Boys, that's how you're supposed to respond when your dad talks to you from the platform. Yeah. And I came in to Connect the Power service Wednesday night, and uh, boy, if you have missed Connect the Power, you have missed a sweet presence of Jesus. And this Wednesday night as we came in, it would have been easy to be distracted and discouraged if you were only looking for attendance. But as we pressed in, we came together, we prayed, we worshiped, we prayed we told stories, we prayed, we testified, and as somebody testified, the sweet presence of Jesus filled this place. And it was as if the Holy Spirit said to me, BJ, you're going to change directions. I want you to go a different way. So I told Pastor Greg, because we were going to kind of tag team this next series, I said, hey, I'm going a different direction. I know that messes up your plans. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And he was gracious, weren't you, Pastor Greg? See, that's, he's still good at it, you know, he's still good at it. So today, I want you to get your outlines out. I want you to be ready to take notes if that's where you feel the Lord leading you. If you're following along online, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. Um, so thankful for God's word and how it speaks to us. I want to talk to you today about something very, very important in the Christian life, and that is <clears throat> our prayer life. And it's easy for us to, to talk about prayer. I mean, I, I told uh, one congregation that I, that I served under, it would be easy for any pastor to preach on prayer every single Sunday and never run out of material. Because it's just so much, there's so much there. And, it, and it's easy for us to talk about prayer. And as Christians, we can talk about prayer and we, we can say the right answers and we can tell people the right ways or the ways we think we are taught and the ways we think we should do it. But really, what is prayer? prayer? Should we pray? How should we pray? Do we pray enough? Do we pray hard enough? How do we look when we pray? The words that we're saying, do we pray in the Spirit as the Bible instructs us? Are all of these things going on in our prayer life? And if they're not, it's very easy for the enemy to come into our, our thought life, to our world, and say, you know what? You're just not good enough. But he's a liar. 
He's a deceiver. But it doesn't change the fact that we still sometimes, if maybe I'm preaching to myself today, you just get to listen in. But I wonder if times that we're just not confident enough that we pray enough or that we pray the way we should pray. I wonder if times, if and, and I, again, BJ, I wonder if there's times in your prayer life where you don't really pray believing in the strength and the power that God has for you. I wonder, BJ, if there's times in your life when you pray and you, you really earnestly seek me, but you're not praying with the same power that raised Christ from the dead because you just don't believe it. And one of the things we talked about Wednesday night was sometimes we need a faith um, power up. <laughs> that wasn't the word we used, but we, we, we need a boost in our faith. We need, prayer is one of those things that can boost our faith, that can take it to the next level, that we can, we can get an extra life, so to speak, as God builds our faith as we pray to him. Maybe it's times where we just don't seem to pray in those moments where prayer can be awkward. Prayer can be silent, and you might think, I don't want to go to that prayer meeting because it's just, I get all weird. You know, have you ever been to those prayer groups where you might, you might even be been a new person in there, and they gather around, and everybody circle up. We're going to circle up and we're going to hold hands and we're all going to say the same prayer and you have no clue what that prayer is. And you're sitting there holding hands with somebody you don't even know. Did they wash their hands? Do they have COVID? I don't know. What's the deal? And all these thoughts are going through your brain and you just are like, how can I pray at this time? And you're just weirded out. Anybody ever been like that? <sighs> I'm not alone. Good. Or maybe you've been in those places where you go into a prayer time and, and the person, and you're, you, maybe you're in a circle, maybe you're in a small group and everybody seems to be praying and, and it really feels like the Spirit of God is moving and it feels like you're standing next to Moses' little brother as he prays. You know what I'm talking about. God, we come to you right now and your word says, and they just start quoting scripture. And they go and they go and you're like, that's impressive. Wow, they really know how to do this. How can I live up to that? And then all of a sudden they squeeze your hand or they nudge you and it's, it's your turn. So I can't be outdone. Moses' little brother's praying. I got to pray just as powerful. And we start praying, oh, Lord, our Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so thankful for you. Your word says that you are always with us. Your word says that you are Jehovah Nisan, and you are good to the last drop, and you are like a good neighbor. You are always there, and your prayer and your love is so good to us that it's so good to us that it melts in our hand and not in our mouth. And God, help us. Do we ever try too hard? Do we ever try to impress the wrong people, especially in our prayer life? The Bible is very clear about this, and so this isn't in your notes. This is free, but the Bible warns us about trying too hard. It warns us that when we pray, do not pray like those that are praying for attention, but to pray from the heart to pray what God wants us to pray. So I think there are two big prayer mistakes that we make in our life. If you're taking notes, jot these down. We're going to come back to these in a little bit, but I want to go over these really quickly with you. Two big prayer mistakes that we make as Christians. If, if you're not a Christ follower today, I'm glad you're here. This will help you at some point. But I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit to the Christ followers today. If you're following Christ, this should be a practice in your life. If you're not following Christ, you can still pray. And this is a good opportunity to learn how to talk to our Father who loves us, who cares about us. Two big prayer mistakes we make. The number one is this. Our prayers are too small. 
Our prayers are too small. I was challenged Wednesday night as Michelle was sharing a story and she was talking about this. She said something that triggered me thinking about this message. And she said, we have to pray bold prayers. You know, sometimes I think we pray prayers that are too small. We're going we're gonna to come back to that. I don't want to preach the whole message there. Number two, our prayers are too general. Our prayers are too general. One of the things we've talked about a lot as a staff and it comes to these prayer times that we've done corporately is we want to get beyond just praying for the general things that we seem to always pray for. And how can we pray specifically? How can we pray with boldness? How can we pray big prayers that trigger God? You see, general prayers don't move God to specific action. Let me say that again. General prayers don't move God to specific actions. I read a story about Martin Luther, who was the father of the Reformation. He had a friend and assistant. His name was Frederick Myconius. Frederick Myconius. The year was 1540, and Myconius got really, really sick. He was expected to die shortly. He had gone through the process. He'd actually given his farewell message to his friend, Luther, and he called him to his bedside through the nurse because Myconius couldn't even speak at this point. He was ready to go on to his eternal home, but Luther believed in prayer and the power and the strength that he had in prayer, and he prayed this prayer over his friend. Listen to these words. I command you in the name of God to live because I still have need of you in the work of reforming the church. Let me stop right there. How many of you are ever afraid to pray selfishly? A couple of us. We, we think that's a pride issue. I can't pray for myself. I can't, I can't pray my needs. This is personal to me. That's selfish of me, and if I'm really a servant of God, I can't be selfish. I need to be selfless. But Luther says this very specifically. He says, I command you in the name of God to live because I still need you in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that you are dead. That's specific. That's powerful. But he will permit you to survive me. For this I am praying because I seek only to glorify the name of God. Wow. So as you guessed it, Myconius recovered from his deathbed. He lived six more years. And he finally died two months after Martin Luther died. Luther's prayer was answered. He never again heard of Myconius's death and passing. A powerful prayer that moved God to action. So if we're going to talk about prayer, if we're going to talk about what God wants from our prayer life, what he can help us with in our prayer life, we have to look to God's word. Amen? If you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going to be looking today. If you have your Bibles with you or your phone, your tablet, wherever you get the scriptures from, we'll have it on the screen for you as well. There's a pew Bible in front of you if you need that as well. I'm going to be reading from the New, New International Version this morning from Ephesians chapter 3. I want to ask you if you would to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. As Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, these are the words that he says. For this reason... I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled 
to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God. Father God, as we continue in this message, I pray that your word would permeate our hearts, that you would open our minds, open our ears to hear what you'd have for us, that you would help us to not just be listeners of your word, but I pray, God, that you would give us truth to apply to our life today. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Paul is teaching the church in Ephesus. He's teaching us, if you will, today how to pray in such a way that it taps into the power and the passion of God's heart. In other words, prayer should result in something. Prayer should not just be fruitless conversation. Prayer should change us. The model of prayer that Paul is praying is a model that he uses throughout his letters. And if you catch it, he says some words that are common throughout his letters. He says, I pray so that. He prays and then he gives a description. We're going to unpack this in a little bit. And then he gets to a transition point and he says, I pray that you will have all of these things so that you can do something with it. So that you can understand a, a more of the fullness of what Christ has for you. So let's, let's unpack this, this, mess, this verse a little bit further. The first thing I think Paul wants us to see is that our posture changes everything. Our posture changes everything. Sometimes our prayers are such that we pray out of habit and routine. We get into a, a routine. We get into a, a place of, of habitual practice in our prayer life. It's a discipline. It's a practice. It's, it's in the Word. It's in how we're supposed to live it out. We're supposed to be disciplined. We're supposed to train ourselves. We're supposed to continue to do that. So there's, a, there's an element of that that should be routine, that should be practiced, that should be developed. So don't hear that it's, it shouldn't be that because there's a part of it that it should, okay? But Paul is writing, and Paul, if you remember Paul's life, to give you a little background, Paul was Saul before he was Paul. Aren't you glad that God gives us new names? Whew. When we are born again, he, he cleanses us from all our sin. He takes it away as far as the east is from the west, and he gives us his name for us. He says, Saul, you are no longer going to persecute me. You will be Paul. And I'm going to use you to spread the message of the good news of the gospel to Jews and Gentiles everywhere. Wow. So anyway, Paul says, posture changes everything. He says this in verse 14 and 15. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its names. So here's what he's really saying, I think, okay? He says, even when you don't feel like it, Pray. Even if it doesn't, if it's if it's out of your routine, pray. Even if you feel like you're all prayed up and you have nothing else to say, or that your prayers are hitting the ceiling, pray. He goes, if you need to switch up your routine, for this reason I kneel. Let me give you a little background on the Jewish prayer life. Paul was a Jew among Jews. The Bible says that as he talked about his past, he was the greatest of all of the Pharisees. He knew the law better than anybody else. He knew the scriptures. He knew what was right and wrong. He followed all of the rules. If anybody who could have been made perfect through the law, it would have been Paul or Saul before he was Paul. And so a traditional Jewish way to pray was that they would stand and they would extend their their hands like this. This was their posture. They would stand to, to present to God what they had for him, but then to receive what, they, what God had for them. This was traditional. This was their routine. They would go into the temple. They would go into their prayer place, and they, you would see them on the corners, and that's what Scripture warns us about. You would see them in this, in this posture. 
And Paul's telling the church in Ephesus, he's telling Christ's followers, when you pray, if, you, if your routine is, is drying it up and you feel like you can't get through the ceiling and you're, you're not getting anywhere in your prayer life, guess what? Change your posture. For this reason, I kneel because I need a fresh touch. For this reason, I bow before you. I come before you because I need a fresh touch. Well, what's the difference between this posture and a standing posture? You see, when we kneel, we're in a posture of surrender. You've seen it throughout your life and throughout your history. Hopefully, you've never been a part of it real life, but you've probably seen it acted out. Bad guy comes into the situation. He says, freeze. Get on your knees. Why? Because now you've been brought low. You've been put into a position that changes everything. It changes the entire atmosphere. Pastor, I can't kneel. That's just, it's just not right. It doesn't feel comfortable. It feels awkward. I've been taught that we, we, don't, we don't lower ourselves like that. We need to, to have, we need to have pride in how we carry ourselves. Well, Paul's saying, for this reason, I kneel. Because when it comes to God in my prayer life, I don't want to have any pride. I don't want to have anything that's separating me from him. Paul says, for this reason, I kneel. Why? Because posture in our prayer life changes everything. If you find yourself in a routine in your prayer life, and a routine, if you continue it long enough and it doesn't become a discipline, routine is that same root word where we get the, the word rut. Anybody been in a rut lately? Farmers, been a little moist out there? You don't like ruts, am I right? I don't, I don't know, I don't farm, but I don't, like, I don't like to get in a rut. If you're in a rut too long, it can turn into your grave, right? Keep spinning those tires, you're just going to keep going lower and lower. I don't want to be in a rut because I don't want to go to the grave. So Paul says, for this reason, I kneel because posture changes everything. Pray any way that you can. If you're out of routine, pray anyway. If you need to stand and you're used to sitting, stand up and pray. If you're used to sitting and you stand up, if you're used to standing, kneel down. If whatever it is, pray. Don't stop praying. Don't stop communicating with the Father. Pray when you're walking. Pastor, I can't do two things at once. My wife told me so. I don't care. I want to be so close to him. I want to hear his voice. I want to, I want to talk to him because he matters so much to me that I'm going to pray when I'm walking. I'm going to pray when I'm sitting. I'm going to pray when I'm standing. I want to pray when I'm in the shower. I want to pray when I'm laying down. I want to pray when I'm driving. Well, I can't, I can't do that because then i got to close my eyes. Don't close your eyes and drive. Come on. God gave you a brain. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you need to close your eyes to pray. I don't know about you, but I have to pray for some of you when you're driving. I've seen you drive. And you pray for me, I know it. So it's okay. Somebody cuts you off in traffic, instead of giving them the Pike County finger, you can pray for them. Instead of honking that horn, maybe honk that horn and say, Jesus loves you. I'll pray for you. You just never know how it might change your day. You see, when we change our posture, it changes our focus. It changes what we're looking at. It changes how we're receiving things. Paul says, posture matters. Change your posture. Instead of standing at attention and doing the ritual, doing the routine, there's got to be times when we get into a place of surrender. God, I need your touch. I need your attention. I'm broken. Paul says, I pray so that. I pray so that. In verse 16 and 17, he gets into this this idea that we want to unpack and spend some time here for a minute. 
He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that out of his glorious riches, his glorious riches, Ephesians 1, 3, if you just flip over a couple pages there, Paul says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Did you catch that? It's past tense. He's already blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. When we turn our lives over, when we say, yes, Lord, yes, you can have the rule and reign in my life. He says, great, I can't wait to just lavish my blessing on you. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not a name it and claim it prosperity gospel thing. This is the truth of God's word. He wants to bless his people. He wants to give you good things. He wants to take care of you better than you can ever imagine. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, you can receive all of the blessings that are in heaven from Christ. Wow. His glorious riches. So many times I think we prayed that God would bless us. God, I pray that you would bless this food. I pray that you would bless our time together. God, I pray that you would would bless this trip. And we pray those things, and those are, I'm not saying those are bad prayers, okay? But I'm, I'm wondering at times when we pray that way, when God's hearing that prayer from, from one of us that, that prays and seeks him out, and that's a Christ follower that cares about talking with him, and we say, God, I pray that you'd bless my food. And I, I can just imagine God's up there, and I don't know this for sure, I've never been there, okay? But I can just imagine as one of his dearly loved children, He receives that prayer and he says, you know what? I've already done that, BJ. I've already done that. God, would you bless my family? BJ, I've already done that. Would you bless our church? I've already done that. Would you just just bless all? I've already done that. And I wonder if God's saying to me, why don't you pray something that I can pour out my glory on you? Why don't you pray something that has to do with my riches being fulfilled and given to you? Why don't you pray something that causes me to do something for you that I haven't already done? I needed that boom, slap in the face this week. God, I don't want to belittle you with my prayers. My prayers are too small, God. Please forgive me. God, I need your riches to go out and do more than I'm praying for. What prayer in your life do you need to be praying that will only require God's riches to be used? I'll be honest, that's hard for me. I'm a thinker. I'm I'm a practical person. I'm a a to-do list person. I'm a Okay, I got to figure this out and go get it done. And God says, I don't need you to get it done. I need you to ask me for it. Because I can get it done. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell this story. It's a good story. It may not come across that way, so if it doesn't, I apologize. But I love our church board. I love our church board. We have come through one of the hardest seasons of life that any leadership team anywhere in the history of the world has ever come through. It has been a hard year. We would all agree with that. Over the last three months, I have sensed as your pastor, as the leader of that board, a new sense of joy on our church board that hadn't been there for a while. And we started talking and we started dreaming. And and one of the prayers that God had placed on my heart with all of the stuff that had went on in this winter was, you know what? We as a church, we value generosity. And I said to the board, I presented this idea to the board. And I said, guys guys and gals, I want us as a church, if we value generosity, I want us to do something extravagant for our community. I believe that God will bless us. And I said, I believe that we need to do something extra to, to help cover our community's gas bills that are so high. And you could just see the wheels turning. 
This is, I've never done this before in my time here. I've never asked us to do something like this. And it's, it's, it was uncomfortable for me, but I knew that I had to be obedient to what the Lord was doing. And we, we discussed it and we went over it and we presented it to you all as a, as a, as a church match that as you give and are generous with, with what God's blessed you with, that, that we would honor that and we would match that and we would give a love offering to our community. And we're still going to do that. And we're looking forward to that. We just talked about how we're going to finalize that this last meeting. But one of the questions that came up was, well, pastor, what if somebody writes a check for $100,000? And I had to swallow. Because if you look at our finances that you can, they're in the office, they're public to you, you can look at them. We have about $160,000 in the bank. So, Somebody comes and writes a check for $100,000. So I looked at him and I said to him, I, I will prepare my family that we'll find food and we'll trust the Lord with this. Because if somebody feels led to give $100,000 to this, then I believe God is calling us as a church to say, we will give $100,000. And I believe that God honored that. I believe that God honored that question. And I believe that God honored that conversation because we left that meeting and we said, you know what? We don't understand it, but we're going to trust the Lord. And we're not going to give $100,000 in this offering, but we're going to do something. But what were we saying? We were saying, God, it has to be your riches. It has to be your resources because we don't know how it's going to work. Your math and our math is not the same, and it's not even common core math, okay? Come on now. Heavenly math and human math, it's not equivalent, okay? It doesn't work that way. But God's saying to us through Paul, I need you to pray that God's glorious riches will cover you. I pray so that God's glorious riches will continue to fall on you. God's saying, I need you to pray so that I can do something for you. I will bless your family. I will bless your food. And for some reason, I'm still making you live even though you're eating that McDonald's stuff. You ever thought about that? God, would you bless this food to my body, to the nourishment of my body, as you're getting ready to eat a Big Mac? I love Pat Cooney, but come on. He does it, though. I'm still alive to tell about it. I've had too many Big Macs that I care to admit, but God will bless it. So he's saying, BJ, stop praying that I'll bless your Big Mac because I can bless way more than a Big Mac. I need you to pray something that's going to release my glory and my riches on your life and on what you're praying for. Pray a bigger prayer. You see, we have a spiritually rich father and we are his impoverished children. So we need to pray so that God's glorious riches will continue to fall. Amen? I pray so that his glorious riches will fall. I pray so that we will have power to, power to, we're going to unpack this a little bit too, power to, the word power here in the original language is dudame. It's the same word we get in our English word dynamite from. Many of you know that. It's one of the most common Word studies in all preacher history, Dudame. Everybody can say that with me, Dudame. Look at that, you're speaking original language Bible. Come on now, good job. It's powerful, it's, it's mighty, it's bigger than just lifting a few dumbbells. Verse 17, I pray so that being rooted and established in love, you may have power, you may have power to do what? Here's what we have power to do. We have power in prayer to overcome temptation. Do we pray for this power in our own lives or do we settle for giving in? I'm only human. God, you know I'm going to mess up. You know it's happening. You know I'm going to sin. Why would I pray that you'd give me power over temptations? Because he wants to give it to you. He doesn't want you to be a slave to sin anymore. 
He doesn't want you to have to deal with those thoughts. He doesn't want you to have to deal with those failures anymore. What are you praying big that God can redeem you from? What can He help you to recover from? What can He take away from you that you're struggling with and say, God, I need your power. He says, pray for it. God, I need you to help me to overcome when I fail my family, when I blow up, when I mess up. God, help me. God, I need you to help me when I'm tempted to go back to the bottle. I need you to help me when I'm tempted to say something that's ungodly. Help me, God, when I'm tempted to, to do things that are not in my character. Oh, God, help us. God, help us. Well, we don't talk about this one in church. Well, now we are. God, help me when I'm all alone and I got this computer in my hand. And no, I'm not just talking to men. Help me that I don't go to that site. Help me that I don't spend too much time putting this filth in my mind. I can't do it because I'm always going to fall. No. No, we have victory. God's hand is victorious. It's a victory. It's an undefeated hand. He will uphold us with His victorious right hand, the prophet Isaiah said. It's my life first. Why? Because I mess up a lot. I get tired. And He has to remind me, BJ, my hand is never lost. And I'm holding you with it. Wow. Let me tell you something else that's helped me. This is free too. If you want to write this down, find a blank spot. This has changed my life. Just because you fail doesn't make you a failure. Just because you fail at something doesn't make you a failure. God, Paul is telling us through God, I pray so that through his glorious riches, you may have power to overcome temptation. He says, I pray so that you will have power to stand strong. Forgiveness is hard. Staying calm under pressure is hard. Standing up for what we believe in is hard. Having peace to get through the tragedy in our lives is hard. Having faith, belief, and trust in something is hard. I pray so that God can give me the power to stand strong even when the battles are raging. Oh God, help us to stand up for what you believe in. Help us to stand strong to what your convictions are. Not my preferences, not my way of doing it, but God, let me surrender my will to your will for my life. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. Not yes, Lord, I'm going to say yes to you telling me how to do it my way. Nope. Nope. Then he's not ruling. He's not in reign. His kingdom won't come if he's not ruling in your life. Did you realize that? That's a new revelation for me. We pray, God, we pray your kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. It can't happen unless his rule is in our heart and life. He didn't come to rule this world in the political scene, in the government. He didn't come to do that. He came to rule in our hearts. And he can only impact the government and the world in which we live in through us because he's given dominion to the enemy. I think we forget that, folks. Why is there evil in the world? Because right now we're in a season where he's been given the dominion. God is not the God of this world right now. It's in Scripture. And he says, I came to rule and reign your life. And as you live in my will, in your life out, the world will see me. God, give us power to stand strong. Give us power to not stick our feet in our mouth when we say something silly that's not according to your will. God, I want to stand strong and be committed to you and you first and foremost and only. And as I do that, I'm trusting you to move me in the direction you want me to go. Amen? God, give me the power to stand strong. God, give me the power to be bold. To be bold. Whew. I don't think I'm going to get through this sermon. 
God, help us to be bold in our prayers. One of the greatest privileges that I have had over the years in ministry of being a pastor is being in the community and being able to pray. As Pastor Greg mentioned, this week was such a cool sight. Not only was it cool as a community to to see our football team win a homecoming game in the first time in 12 years, um, that was awesome. That's cool. That's, that's unity in our community. That's, that's really cool. But even more important than that was Pastor Caleb Dixon over at First Assembly is one of the coaches on the staff. And two times Friday night, two different times Friday night, Caleb gathered the guys around him and he said, we're going to pray for that. We're going to pray for that guy that's hurt. And then at the end of the game, he gathered around and as I, as I got in close to what Coach Dixon was saying, he said, guys, we get to play a game that's fun, but we only get to do it because Jesus has allowed us to. So we want to finish this game by giving him the glory and the honor. And as we knelt and prayed and Coach Dixon, Pastor Dixon, whatever you, title you want to give him, he led those boys and all of us that were gathered around in a prayer. He thanked Jesus that we get to play a game, that we get to go out and be thankful that God has blessed us with this. And it was really cool to see the pictures later on on Facebook and social media of different people capturing this image from different standpoints. There was, I don't know, there was probably, I probably shouldn't say the number that were out there, but um, two, three hundred people in that group probably uh, that were praying. And we saw pictures, one from the stands. I saw one from the a house that was looking over the football field. I saw another one from the, the Matt's road, <laughs> the bus road back there. It was just really cool to see all the different pictures. Why? Because Caleb has decided that, yes, I'm a coach on this football team from second one to the end of the game, but even more important than that, I'm a follower of Christ and a child of God, and I'm going to lead these boys, these young men, and say, God gave us this opportunity. We need to thank him for it. I give kudos to Pastor Dixon for being strong in that time, to be bold, to pray bold prayer. We were in Iberia, Missouri, and it was common that we would spend, right before the school year started, we would gather as a ministerial alliance, and we would gather around that school in Iberia. Really, there's not much there except a school now in Iberia. And all the churches would come together at the school. The school let us into the school. We had our service in the gymnasium. And as we were leaving the gymnasium that night, what, we, what is traditionally that we did, we, we would go out and we would line up and try to surround the school in one of those prayer circles. <laughs> you know, those awkward things. <laughs> it, what's really awkward is when you only have about 20 people there and the school <laughs> stretches. But it, it was so cool because this one year, pastor at the Christian church there, youth pastor there, he was doing the service. and He prayed a prayer and challenged us in that service. He said, we need to stop praying wimpy prayers for our students. We need to stop praying wimpy prayers for the people we care about. And he says that we're going to go out on this sidewalk and we're going to surround this school. And he goes, I want to challenge each and every one of us to not pray one wimpy prayer for this school year. Pray a bold prayer. Pray that Christ would be revealed in this school. Pray that lives would be changed in this school. Stand up, be proud, be praying a bold prayer. Why? Because God has given us the power to do so. To be bold, to be courageous. I pray so that you may have the glorious riches. You may have the power to overcome temptation, to stand strong, to be bold, and then we pray so that God would give us strength to understand. This is very important. Verse number 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. With those words, it's easy just to kind of move on, isn't it? Immeasurably more. 
immeasurably more. Immeasurably more. Seems like everything has a unit with it. You know what I mean? Inches, feet, yards, whatever you want to use. Hands. I mean, we use measure dollars, cents. I mean, everything's got a unit to it, doesn't it? But God's word says, to him who has the power to do immeasurably more. You can't measure what God can do. You can't measure what he wants to do. He has riches that we can't fathom. That he can do things with that we can't even understand. And Paul's saying, I pray so that you'll have strength to understand what immeasurably more means. What immeasurably more means. It's not just monetary, folks. I want to end with this kind of thought for us. Every one of us in here knows somebody else that is living, that is breathing, that needs Jesus. Amen? Some of those people are close to us. So I'm going to challenge you with this. We're going to crash land this plane we call a sermon today, but I apologize. Um, this prayer is so vitally important that we would have the, the strength to understand God's love for us. Did you realize God's love for you is immeasurable? If my kids are in here, I want you to stop listening for a minute, okay? My kids come into church every single week because it's what I do. It's what their mom does. And so, yeah, we play the parent card and we say, you're going to church. Bless God, you're going to be there. And we believe it's the best thing for them. But I don't want my kids to grow up and just know the Bible stories. I don't want my kids to just grow up and know that Sunday morning we come in, we sing songs, we go home and eat lunch. We come back Sunday night, we do it again, we do it Wednesday. And in fact, because we live in the parsonage, we do it anytime somebody calls. I want my kids to understand how much God loves them. As your pastor, this is my prayer for you as well. I pray that God would give you the strength to understand how much he loves you. It's heavy, folks. Why does he use those words, strength to understand? Because once we get a glimpse of it, it'll change your life. And so God says, how does this all wrap up together? How do you put a bow on this? I really don't know today, but I'm going to try, okay? You put a bow on it like this because our prayer is our communication with God. It's us talking to him. He says, I pray so that something will happen. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, you will have power to be bold, to stand strong, to overcome temptations. But I also pray that you will have power and strength to understand how much God loves you. He loves you so much. That he sent his one and only son who understood his love to die on a cross, to be rejected, to be put to shame, to be ridiculed, to go and pay the penalty, to pay your bill and to pay my bill in full. You don't have to reimburse it. Praise God. Help us to understand that God loves us so much. There's no more there's no more sheep being slaughtered or pigeons' necks being broken because of my sin. There's no more oil offerings or wave offerings. I'm reading Leviticus in my devotion time. And there's wave offerings, there's oil, there's animal sacrifices. Jesus paid it all. 
I don't have to do that anymore. Why? Because of how much God loves me. I just need you to know this. I feel like if God was here, he would just say, if you could just get it, if you could just get it, I don't expect you to go and save the world. I don't expect you to go and and change everything that's going on in the world that's evil and wrong. What I do want from you is I want a relationship with you. Why? Because I love you so much. All I want is a relationship with you. Oh, may we understand God's love for us. The power and the strength to understand it. We pray not just because we're Christians and we have to or we should, but we need to learn to pray in the power and the strength of God. Amen? We pray prayers that are too small, that are too general. God, help us. We pray prayers that are, Lord, keep my kid out of trouble and keep him safe. Lord, help me to pay my bills this month. God, help me to be a better husband and father and wife and mother. And I believe those are all important prayers to pray. But I believe God wants us to pray more. To pray bolder. To pray more specifically. So my challenge for you today, and I know I've gone long today, but bear with me with this. One last thought, okay? I want to challenge you this week. What prayer can you pray this week that requires God's riches? What prayer can you pray this week that requires God's riches? And then this. What prayer can you pray this week that is specific, that calls God to action, that taps into his power? What will you pray this week? Would you stand with me this morning? I'm almost afraid to say this. become so cliche, but I want you to join me. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your grace, and your mercy. May we never lose sight of it or take it for granted. Would you help us this week, God, to pray prayers that are bold, to pray prayers that require your riches and your glory to be released. God, we pray that you would give us power to pray these bold prayers. Give us strength, God, to understand and receive your love for us. God, help us to pray prayers this week that trigger you to action. I thank you for this church, this church that is yours, it is not ours. Lead us, guide us to influence and impact our community with the love and the power of Jesus because you rule and reign in our lives. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. And everyone said together, amen and amen. Have a great day. God loves you and so do I. We'll see you tonight at 6.30.